to She Who Overcomes, the podcast where we help you transform your life, leadership, and career. I'm Mandy B. Anderson. And I'm Rachel Perman, and we are your hosts. We believe that what you've overcome makes you a leader. With a little help from two experienced coaches, that's us, you'll find the clarity and direction that you need to rise up, lead well, and live with intention. You were born to be an overcomer. So grab your coffee and let's hang out. Hey, Overcomers, our summer series is all about becoming beautifully whole. Over the next few episodes, we are sharing audios from a past event called Beautiful Wholeness. These have never been heard before, and we're so excited to share them with you. But before we dive in, we have to tell you about something else that we're excited about. We are excited to tell you that we're bringing Beautiful Wholeness back. And for the first time ever, we're offering virtual tickets. It has been two years since we did this event. So you are cordially invited to Beautiful Wholeness, a one-day event that is focused on creating confident women. And it's all happening on Saturday, August 7th, 2021 from 9.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. And that is in Central Standard Time. And it is a one-day event, like I said, focusing on confident women. And it's for women of all ages, right? Like we've had kids in the audience. Yes, we've had kids as young as nine. And I think our oldest participant was 93. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So It was a great If you fit in one of those age groups, (laughs) you are invited to come because this is a supportive group coaching one-day experience for women who have recently emerged on the other side of a few big years. So if you're an open-hearted, determined lady that is devoted to rebuild from the ashes, rise up and fight for the life that you've always wanted to lead, then this is the perfect experience for you. Space is going to be limited though, so don't wait. Register today at raymateam.com, R-A-Y-M-A-T-E-A-M.com. All right, so grab your coffee and let's listen in to a past beautiful wholeness. So, but here's the thing, you guys, today is all about you and it's all about your growth. And so we're going to be really vulnerable with you today. Uh, we're going to share with you our own struggles. We're going to share with you our, our stories, how we have taken some of the worst things that have happened to us and overcome it and learn to grow stronger because of it, not in spite of it. That's two different perspectives. And one of the things that I really want you to write down today is that you cannot grow if you're not willing to be vulnerable with yourself. So some of you are writing that down and some of you are not. So I will repeat it. You cannot grow if you're not vulnerable with yourself. All right, so... um Mandy just told you guys to, you know, open up your things, take your notes. That's something we want you to continue to do the entire day. Take lots of notes. We all have different ways of learning. However, even if you're a visual learner or an auditory learner, writing notes down in your own handwriting and in your own words of whatever Mandy and I are saying today is going to make that actually get into your brain um, a lot faster and easier. So when you're home, you can be like, what was that one thing she said? I really wish I had written that down. 
write down all the things because this is a learning environment. We just talked about it in um, the rules of the couch that we're going to be learning all day long. So that's, that's my tip for you guys today this, already this morning. Anytime you're in an environment, make sure you're taking notes, whether you're in front of a pastor or not in front. You probably aren't speaking in front of the pastor. <laughs> it's been a morning, you guys. <laughs> Here's the thing. If you're expecting completely highly polished... That's not us. That's not us. So um, we stumble over our words. We forget what we're talking about. I mean, we're women. We have a lot of things happening in our brains. I've had three children. I probably have very little brain cells left. They all like <laughs> siphon them out as they're coming. So um, yeah, take lots of notes, but also fair warning, there might be things that we say today that make you a little mad. Oh, they got quiet. Yeah, they did. There's nothing funny about that. that is, we don't do it on purpose. Yeah, we do. We it, do. Well, we, we do, well, but we, we don't do it just to be mean. We do it because we love you and we want mm -hmm. you to find the best version of yourself. And sometimes that means it takes somebody to push you a little bit outside of your comfort zone. And so mm -hmm. that's what we're going to be doing today. And it's okay if you get a little upset or if all of a sudden this little voice inside your head goes, that's not me. If Lean that into that voice because... Yep, if that happens, write it down mm -hmm. because that's an indication it might be you. Might be. <laughs> okay? So that's a little bit of a warning before we get into this content today, a few things you need to know going into that. Um, and I think we are probably about ready to start... I think we are. Start the first... One thing you need to know about us is we love our coffee. And so we will be having it all day long. If you want to be a bestie of ours, bring <laughs> us coffee. Also, thank you, um, Heidi. We have probably the weirdest stage setup we've ever actually yes. had. So Mandy and I are not entirely sure where to stand. Nope. Because the stages are also really small. So I don't... We, we don't want to fall if off. If you've noticed, we move around a lot. We're very animated when we speak, and I don't want to fall off this little stage. So we might be standing here. We might be sitting. Who knows what's going to happen? Hey, when, I, when you tell your story in just a few moments, I'm sitting over there and listening. Oh, okay. That's what I'm going to do. So you go ahead and make I can yourself go sit. comfy. I want to sit on the comfy chairs. I feel like this skirt is going to be a challenge to get don't on that, that chair. Way. That's right. Come around this way. All right, so you, here we go. You We're take gonna talk it, about what it takes to be a she who overcomes. How many of you have something that you want to overcome in your life? Yeah, me too. So the first thing I want to tell you today is that in 1981, the medical outlook for somebody born with cystic fibrosis was not good. How many of you have heard of cystic fibrosis? Okay, so for those, how many of you, have all of you? Yeah, pretty much, okay. So um, for, for anybody who's like, I think I kind of know what it is, but I'm not sure, it's a, it's a genetic disease that affects your respiratory and digestive system. And you have to take treatments at least twice a day just so you can breathe. You have to take pills to digest your food because a lot of times uh, you have a failure to thrive. So you have a hard time absorbing nutrients. Well, in 1981, the medical outlook was not good. And most CF kids did not make it past grade school. Mark and Mary Brockle were a young married couple who had just found out that they were pregnant with their first child. And Mary was at a friend's house that day who had given birth to her first child. And this child had cystic fibrosis. 
And Mary recalls watching this new mom give her little baby something called percussion, where she basically had to pound the back of this baby so that the baby could cough up the excessive mucus and be able to breathe. And Mary remembers thinking, I don't think I could ever do that to my child. Like, wow, she had so much admiration for this mom. Well, time went on, and in December of 1981, Mary gave birth and they welcomed their first daughter. And the first six months of their daughter's life was not exactly what they dreamed of. She was in and out of the hospital with bronchitis and pneumonia. She was super, super tiny, wasn't gaining weight. And at six months old, Mary's worst fear was confirmed. Their daughter was born with cystic fibrosis. Can you imagine the range of emotion that Mary and Mark must have went through? That, that fear of what's going to happen to my baby. That possible anger at God. That possible uh, thought of what now? Are we even going to be able to give this child a future? They went through all those fears as they were all of a sudden thrown into this lifestyle of learning how to do two treatments, learning how to measure medicine, learning what they needed to do to help give their daughter the best chance possible. And Mary doesn't really recall at what point this thought through, flew through her mind, but she does remember thinking one day, I'm no longer going to think, why us? You see, Mary decided to shift her perspective. And she decided to start thinking, why not us? You see, there's a difference in that perspective. Why not us? Mark and Mary are overcomers. And they are my parents. I am that baby. I am 36, no, did I just turn 37? How old am I? Did I turn 37, honey? 81. I am 37. Thank you, April. <laughs> Math has never been my strong suit. You'll find out why later. Um, 37. Yes, I'm 37. Remember last summer when we were driving to Fargo for the beautiful homeless and we're like, we're going to be 40 in four years? Three for me now. I just lost a year. Okay, so I'm 37. And I have been given this amazing life because my parents brought me up with the perspective to be an overcomer. They never told me I couldn't do something. However, there is this mindset that every person who is born with a disease has to learn how to overcome on their own, no matter what type of, of upbringing they have. Because the victim mindset gets tacked onto you when you have all these statistics being thrown at you of what your lifespan will be or could be or should be, what you should do, could do, can't do, won't do. And so even though I had a great upbringing, there was still some of that victim mindset that I had to learn to overcome. Most of my life, I have been amazingly healthy. In fact, I was that patient that other doctors and people on my medical team would send New, par new parents or patients who were rebelling and not doing their treatments, I was the person they would send them to to talk some sense into them and inspire them, which is funny because uh, they say that every 
I've heard it said that every CF patient goes through their own form of rebellion. We'll get there. I didn't do it in the normal time frame that most CF patients do. And to be honest, overcoming CF hasn't been my biggest struggle. I know how to do that. But my season of suffering actually started on October 11th, 2010. Write this down. If you want to be a she who overcomes, you need to know how to endure suffering when it shows up at your doorstep. If you want to be a she who overcomes, you've got to learn how to endure suffering when it shows up at your doorstep. Not if, when. And you guys, suffering takes on a whole different uh, look for every single one of us. If somebody ever tells you that your pain is not valid, they are not somebody who has gone through a painful thing quite yet. Your pain is valid. Don't ever let somebody say that your pain doesn't matter because it does. However, it shouldn't stop you. So, here I am, October 11th, 2010. And this particular day, at this point in my life, I was not a life coach. I was not a speaker. In fact, my biggest fear at the time was public speaking. I was working as a PR director at a hotel in Fargo. And my job was basically um, at this extended stay hotel to make every guest feel like family. So I often worked evenings. So this particular morning, I was sitting uh, at home. I was writing some stuff on my marker board because I had learned the skill of putting words in front of you that inspire you to help get you to where you want to go. Because if you feed your mind with where you want to go, eventually you will get there. That's going to be a nugget that we will say all day. So write that down. Feed your mind with where you want to go, and eventually you will get there. So this particular morning, I'm writing some Bible verses. I'm writing, because uh, we, we come from a place of faith. If you don't, we totally understand. Um, I'm writing these Bible verses, and all of a sudden, um, you know, I'm just kind of praying some things. And, and my dog at the time, she is this, she, she's this little cute Shih Tzu. Who loves Shih Tzus as much as me? A few of you? Yeah. Me? <laughs> I know, right? They're so cute. They're like a cat, but a dog, right? They're like the best. So Aja B was sitting on her chair, perched up, watching me. She's kind of the queen of the castle, so she was like surveying the land. And I decided, uh, you know, I, I'm writing all these words down. And all of a sudden, I had to get going, so I... I pick up my purse and my keys and I bend down and I say goodbye to Aja and I lock the door behind me and I go to work completely oblivious about what the day was going to entail. And by five o'clock that evening, my husband and I were homeless and we had lost everything we owned because we had an apartment fire. It was the Galleria fire of 2010. Every single person in that building lost everything they owned. There were... I don't even know, 120-some residents that lost their home that day. And I, I couldn't even uh, compute the fact that we were losing our home because my dog was in this fire. And so here I am thinking, oh, what just happened? You guys, I had no clue that that was the start of a really long season of suffering in my life. A really long one. Just so you know, I always have to tell this because I can tell all the animal lovers in the room. Um, by midnight, we had actually had our first miracle from that experience. And 
firefighters found Aja. I'm convinced that she died and God brought her back to life after he saw me fall apart because, I mean, I completely was just like, I can't handle my life without this dog. She's, she's our fur baby. We don't have our own kids here on earth. And so um, I just completely fell apart, but they did find her. She had no health problems, amazingly. She smelled like a cooked turkey. I had to sit in the bathtub with her as Nate and I shampooed her. I mean, the poor little thing was just, she had issues after that. Like, I couldn't watch Grey's Anatomy or anything with an elevator ding because she would perk up and run to her safe spot. And so it was like, we got to learn how to overcome PTSD together. It was a sweet journey. And so um, she went on to live for about six and a half more years. And we said goodbye to her two years ago uh, in two years ago next month, actually. And so we still miss her. I'm an, I got to move on or I'm going to start crying. But um, the thing is that season of suffering also was overlapping with uh, my somewhat season of rebellion because I had been praying for a supernatural healing of cystic fibrosis. You see, all my life, I grew up going to church and knowing that God can heal you. And I fully believe that. I really do. I believe that God can heal you supernaturally. I also think he does it in ways that we don't appreciate sometimes, called medicine. And that season of suffering was a whole ball of the perfect storm because it was PTSD, anxiety. I, uh, in 2011, uh, we had a miscarriage that we didn't even want kids. And so that's a whole new thing of grieving something you never even wanted in the first place. And um, all of that brought me also not doing my treatments because I had prayed for a supernatural healing and I had done it so many times that I was sick of getting the same results. And I thought, you know what? This time I'm going to put my faith into action. So I threw away all my medicine. I do not hear me. Do not advise that. Um, I'm not so sure that was a wise thing. Some of you are like, duh, why would you do that? Of course it's not a wise thing, right? Like, trust me, I've had the arguments with people who see black and white and are like, of course, why would you ever do that? Like, medicine is good. Um, but when you're somebody who walks by faith, sometimes you learn lessons the hard way. And the thing, I, I had a friend of mine ask me one time, what, what did that cost you? And... Um, it was a great question because what it actually cost me was my fear of CF. Because I am one of those people who, I, I am living proof that God heals now because he did it through medicine and I am not supposed to be here today. I'm not. What happened in my season of suffering is that all of a sudden, about a year and a half after the fire, because of the PTSD, because of anxiety, because of the grief that I was going through from a miscarriage and not dealing with my stuff of losing our home and losing that sense of security, because of that and on top of not doing my medicine, I went through this season where I was 92 pounds. I could not uh, take care of myself. I lived on Rachel's big blue couch on the weeks when Nate was at work because I could not take care of myself. She had to feed me a giant turkey that he had cooked before he left. Um, I was 92 pounds, 22% uh, lung function. You guys, you can't actually um, even crawl to the bathroom when you have 22% lung function. It's bleak. And I found myself in uh, the 
the very last day of April 2012 in the hospital for 22 days fighting for my life. That was my season of suffering. And I had so many questions. I felt like I had let God down, like I did something wrong because this healing didn't work. I felt like all the dreams I had were just a joke. Like this is what my life is coming to. And I remember there was a moment where I looked in the mirror in the hospital. I think I had been there about two or three days and nothing was improving. All my medical staff was crying when they would see me because here I am, 22% lung function. What I didn't know then and I do know now is that even if I could have been put on a lung transplant list, I wouldn't have qualified because I wasn't compliant with my medicine, which automatically made me not, not a candidate. And so here I am, and I asked a friend, a friend, I, all my medical team are like my other family because I've known them since I was itty-bitty. And I asked one of them who's a respiratory therapist, and she's a real straight shooter. She's one of those people who would probably sit here and be like, duh, why'd you stop your medicine? Like, that's dumb. And um, it was dumb. I'm just going to say it. Um, but I needed to learn that lesson. But I asked her, what's the best I can hope for? And after about four days of being in the hospital, like when I first got there, I was, due, I was at 22% lung function, 92 pounds. Four or five days later, I was at 44% lung function. And that's doing like breathing treatments, four of them a day on oxygen 24-7. It had gone from 22% to 44%. And she looked at me and she said, this is probably the best you can hope for. This is your new normal. And this is based off of things she's seen, right? And so... Uh, and, and she knows me, she knows that I'm an optimistic go-getter, but she also knew what the numbers were telling her. And so I said, okay. And I didn't make any promise to myself that it would get better. I didn't know. But I had to face every single fear that I ever had about CF because I was afraid of getting a feeding tube. I was afraid of uh, having to have CF-related diabetes and giving myself insulin shots. And all of that were possibilities at that point in time. In fact, I did have to give myself insulin shots for a season in the hospital because I did have CF-related diabetes because of how sick I was. And so I looked at myself in the mirror that night, gray face, sunken in eyes, no spark, like black charcoal eyes that have lost the spark. Have you ever seen that? Like, have you ever seen that in somebody else where all, the light is gone? And that was me. And I remember thinking to myself, I look like a friend of mine who passed away a couple years ago from CF and it scared me. And I said to myself out loud, this is not how your story ends. I don't know what your new normal is, but we're going to make the best of it. If you have to be on oxygen, we're going to make the best of it. If you have to be giving yourself insulin shots for the rest of your life, we're going to make the best of it. This is not how your story goes down. There are dreams that you have. There are things that God has promised you that you haven't even tasted yet. This is not how it goes down. And the very next day, they, I started to gain weight. I started to get an appetite back. I fully believe that if I would have given up that day, I would not be standing beside you today. And here's the thing, you guys, I had to endure that suffering, not as a martyr, not because um, uh, necessarily even the choices that I had made, but because that's where I had found myself. And I had to endure it so that I could overcome it. 
And there are two things that happen because of suffering. It's, it, suffering is actually very important. Because suffering burns off the things that hinder you. And then what it does is it leaves behind a pile of ashes. And there's actually a purpose for ashes. Ashes, if you use them the right way, can be great fertilizer for beauty to grow. Or they can just be a pile of ashes that you throw away. You get to decide what you're going to do with those ashes. But suffering and enduring it and choosing to go through it instead of complain that this is where you're at, that's what brings out the ashes. And the other thing that suffering does is it helps you find your voice. It helps you find a strength that you didn't know you would have. You see, there are some personalities that are super optimistic and we always find a way. I'm one of those. But sometimes that means you also avoid your crap. And it means that you keep your head in the clouds and you never actually deal with anything, which means you're also not planting the right things. So suffering has a purpose. So I want to encourage you today to stop believing your excuses. Stop being positive without looking at the lessons. Stop being somebody who gives up. Your circumstances do not define you. But they do teach you a lot of lessons that will strengthen you if you let them. So I want to encourage you today, whatever situation you find yourself in, or if you're like, you know what, I've never been through something hard. Like, there have been things that aren't great, but I've never been through something that difficult. Then I want you to write, write down as much as you can today. Because the things we teach you today are not just for overcoming what you've been through in your past. They're skills to help you overcome things that you don't see coming. They're skills to help you rise up when you want to quit, when the odds are stacked against you. And that's all important to know how to do. When you face suffering, I want to encourage you to ask yourself this question. What am I supposed to be learning through this so I can be stronger because of it? What am I supposed to be learning through this so I can be stronger because of it. Hey guys, thanks again for listening. Before you go, would you mind doing us a favor? We would love to hear your takeaways. So please leave us a review and a comment. You might just hear your name in a future episode when you do. This show is produced by Rayma Team Media, a division of Rayma Team LLC. If you'd like to learn more about how you can work with us, visit raymateam.com. That's www.raymateam.com. All right, our coffee is cold, so we gotta go. See you next week.